This morning we're going to be talking about answers to prayer, okay? This is something that I think probably all of us are somewhat curious about. Um, why do we pray if the prayers aren't going to be answered, right? So answers to prayer are important. And um, the passage that I wanted to use as a jumping off point this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, first 10 or so verses, first 10 verses. 2 Corinthians 12, it's on page 1806 in your pew Bibles, if you want to follow along on paper, otherwise the words will be on the screen. 2 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 1, this is Paul speaking to the congregation in Corinth, and he says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, three times I prayed to the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How many of you have ever been frustrated because it doesn't seem like God is answering your prayers? Okay, a couple of you. Now, I've said before, and I stand by this statement, but I do not believe that there is such a thing as unanswered prayers. Sometimes the answer is just no. But this morning I want to dig a little deeper into that issue of God answering prayers so that at least from our end of things, we kind of know the lay of the land. The reason I want to talk about this is because I have been frustrated at times. I have been frustrated with my prayer life and the, the prayers that God seems to be answering and in which way, and I would guess that you have as well. Now, the book that I mentioned a couple weeks ago, Too Busy Not to Pray, provides, I think, kind of a helpful framework for evaluating answers to prayer, and I typically don't like cheesy, rhymy type of things, but this, this one is pretty good, and it really goes a long way to helping me remember. But here's how it goes. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, 
God says, grow. And if the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, God says, go. Isn't that clever? Cheesy, but clever. So we're going to spend a few minutes kind of unpacking each one of those categories this morning. Now, first, if the request is wrong, God says no. Uh, Some prayer requests, no matter how well-intentioned, are inappropriate, okay? Now, take heart, because even Jesus' disciples were not immune from making inappropriate or misguided requests. James and John, those disciples in particular, seem to have kind of a knack for requesting the wrong thing. How many of you remember when they came um, with their mommy to Jesus asking if they could kind of reserve the best two seats in the kingdom? You guys remember that story? And Jesus' answer was, uh, no. You do not know what you're asking. There's going to be a lot of pain and a lot of hardship in my kingdom before my glory is revealed. And and besides, those places of honor are not mine to give. Those have already been reserved by the Father. In other words, he tells them that their request was inappropriate and that he would not grant it. So the answer is no. On another occasion, I'm still picking on these two, Jesus and the disciples were denied a a travel permit through a particular Samaritan village. And the setback irritated James and John so much that they asked Jesus to destroy the village with fire from heaven. Okay? So I think that's a funny story. How many of you have been caught in traffic? (laughs) Like... God, could you just destroy all the rest of these cars with fire from heaven? I need to get where I'm trying to go. Well, once again, obviously Jesus denied that request. In fact, he actually rebukes them that time for making it. Like, okay, not only is this a a misguided and appropriate request, but you know it is, okay, guys? I guess the point is this. If the disciples were capable of making wrong decisions or wrong requests, uh, things that were totally self-serving and materialistic and and short-sighted and immature, then so am I, and so are you. But, you know, that said, I don't think that any of us uh, would be likely to approach God with with the explicit intention of making wrong requests. Let's just, I'm going to give myself the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give you as well. But, but that said, we have to constantly and diligently examine the motives that we have behind the requests that we bring before God. We need to be careful about self-serving prayers, uh, even self-serving prayers that are masquerading as reasonable requests. Uh, for example, and here's a big one. Here's, uh, I had to learn this the hard way, right? Um, If you're in the habit of regularly praying for God to change other people in your life so that you can kind of stay the same and be more happy, more comfortable, then God may very well say no, okay? We need to be careful about praying specific things for others for our own kind of benefit or comfort or happiness. We need to also be careful about prayers that, that pursue our own glory rather than God's glory. For example, 
Uh, There's nothing wrong in praying to God for his help in kind of navigating our careers and our vocations. I mean, we should bring all of our concerns before God. All of them, okay? But if your motivation is to kind of be able to show off in front of other coworkers, or, or if your motivation is to get rich and, and kind of live in ease and comfort and live lavishly, or if, you're, if your motivation is uh, to have success in your work so that you can really stick it to those supervisors who you don't like, then God is likely to say no, okay? So then before bringing a request before God, we should ask the following questions. If God granted this request, would it bring glory to him? If God granted this request, would would it advance his kingdom in some way? If God granted this request, would it help other people in my life or even beyond my life? If God granted this request, would it help me, not other people, would it help me to grow spiritually and into the person that God has called me to be. So in this way, um, kind of by forcing us to to look closely at the requests that we bring before God, uh, prayer can actually purify us. Um, I'm kind of fond of saying this uh, to people who are frustrated with prayer, saying it to myself sometimes too. You know what? Um, No matter what you pray, no matter what you bring to God in prayer, Like the circumstance might change, the situation might not change, other people might not change. Like uh, for all practical purposes, nothing has changed except, except for you. By bringing a request to God in prayer, no matter what happens with it, God will use it to change you in some way. And you know, when we conclude that our motives have been wrong in something that we pray, God is gracious. And we can say, Lord, forgive me. Help, me. help me to grow. Help me present requests that are more in line with your will. God is gracious that way. If there's one thing he's always going to change through prayer, it is the one who is praying. But let's look at a different little grouping here under the, under the no category. Sometimes the motivation beyond our requests is not wrong, but in the infinite mystery of things, God just says no. I mean, consider our text. Paul prayed that God would remove a thorn in his flesh. He prayed uh, three times, he said. In other words, he prayed consistently about it. Now, Scholars and theologians for the last 2,000 years have debated as to what precisely this thorn was, right? It was um, obviously an affliction of some kind that brought chronic uh, distress and pain to Paul. Some have speculated that it was an affliction of the eyes. Others think that it was something, a condition maybe like epilepsy. Many believe that it was not a physical affliction at all, but that it was something spiritual, maybe, maybe a strong temptation that Paul just could not completely overcome. The beauty, I think, is that um, God does not want us to know exactly what Paul's thorn was because we all have things like that that we struggle with. 
But anyway, uh, God allowed Paul to be kind of poked and, and tormented by this thorn. And, and the sense that we get is that uh, Paul's pain was constant and reoccurring. And, and when you think about his life, you can understand the desperation with which he wanted to get rid of this thing. I mean, Paul had churches to visit and, and sermons to write and deliver and, and, and letters to write and believers to encourage. I mean, with such a full agenda, a thorn in Paul's flesh was, was a serious hindrance, right? I mean, no wonder Paul prayed over and over that God would remove it. You would think that God would want to remove something like that. Let me look at all the great work that Paul was doing, bringing the gospel to the world. But God said, no, no. Uh, He said, my grace is sufficient for you. That was his response to Paul. And pay attention to what God says next. For my power is made perfect in weakness. As Paul puts it in verse 10, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I see that's a good lesson for us too as we pray and, and the posture with which we pray. When we are depending on our own power and might and strength, then we will fail and we will fall. But when we depend on God, as we put ourselves before him in prayer, his might and his power and his grace make us strong. When Paul prayed for this removal of his pain, what he was praying for was a substitution. He was saying, give me health instead of pain and weakness. He was saying, give me wholeness instead of deficit. Now, sometimes God does make a substitution. And other times, he decides not to remove our affliction or our adversity. But in all things and at all times, God gives us his grace so that any affliction, any adversity that we face in this life works for us and not against us. Because of the ultimate victory that Christ has won for us, we have the assurance that even those prayers that remain unfulfilled in this life will receive complete vindication in eternity. We can can bank on that. We can bank on that. So if the request is wrong, God says no. Second category, if the timing is wrong, God says slow. Now, for most of us, let's face it, this answer doesn't feel much better than no. We live in an instant society. We talk about this all the time, always striving to do everything faster and more efficient. We want it now. And when we encounter problems, we want them resolved and we want them resolved quickly, which explains why people will say things like, you know, I don't know what to think. I've been praying for something for like three days now, and God has not done a thing about it. Three days. We want to say, God, I I need this resolved now. I want you to do something now. I I don't want to wait three days. I don't want to wait, wait three weeks. I don't want to wait three months. Heaven forbid I wait something like three years. Well, here's the thing. Unfortunately, actually, ultimately, it's fortunate, okay? It seems unfortunate to us. But God's not persuaded by our immaturity. 
and he's not persuaded by our impatience. I mean, he simply says to us through his word and testifying through the Holy Spirit in our hearts, hey, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I have my reasons. And so be really, really careful. Be really careful about insisting that you know better than God himself about when a prayer request should be granted. And also remember that the delays of God are not necessarily denials. He has always good reasons for his not yes. Sometimes God's delays are in order to test our faith. Sometimes God delays so that we can kind of gain more information and knowledge and wisdom and modify the requests that we've made. I mean, over time, I've seen this before in my own life. We, we may see that, that the original request that we made was not quite legitimate. As we understand a, a situation better, we, we want to modify that request in order to bring it more into alignment with God's will because that is what the best answer is going to be. At other times, God delays so that he can develop in us character qualities that, that all of us say that we have a problem with, right? Endurance and trust and patience is a big one. Whenever we study the fruit of the spirit in virtually any group, what are people going to say they struggle with? I, I should be more patient, right? What about submission as well? Qualities that come only when we wait on the Lord and trust in his timing. And you know, the other unfortunate reality is that a lot of spiritual gains that we make in this life come through what? Pain and hurt and struggle and confusion and yes, even disappointment. That, brothers and sisters, is when we grow. So we might not be able to see good reasons for God's delays, but, but when you think about it, that shouldn't be surprising to us at all. In Isaiah 55, verse 8, it says, uh, this is God speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I mean, how often have I waited months and even years for a prayer to be answered? Frequently. I have wondered over the course of my life whether God was saying no to something only to find out later that he was saying, hey, not yet, be patient, trust me, because he wanted to orchestrate an even greater miracle than what I had prayed for in the first place. So then two reasons that prayers might not be answered in the way we hope are the, 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 the request may be inappropriate or the timing may be off. And then the third reason. Third reason is that there might be a problem in the life of the person who's praying. So if you are wrong, God says, grow. And I want us to carefully, carefully pay attention to this third category. And the reason I say carefully is because we all struggle with sin in our lives. We all struggle with sin and temptation. And so I don't, I don't want to communicate something that is not true, that, that we have to be absolutely perfect and live in squeaky clean in order for God to answer our prayers. That's not what I'm saying. 
But just bear with me. And if we still have questions afterwards, feel free to come and talk to me. But I want to pay special attention to this third category, especially if, like me, you have experienced long seasons with just lists of unresolved prayers. And let's, let's face it, it's unlikely that all of your requests are inappropriate, even though some of them may very well be. It's unlikely that, that, that your timing is always off, even though sometimes we have the habit of pushing ahead of God. But perhaps there is some pattern of behavior or unconfessed sin that is tanking your prayer life, compromising even your appropriate and well-timed prayers. Now, I want to look at kind of a pattern of behavior first. And that... I'm not necessarily putting this in the unconfessed sin category, although it's right there on the border. Uh, this is just a, a pattern of behavior. And I suspect perhaps that the most common cause of unresolved prayers is prayerlessness. Where do I get that? James 4 verse 2 says, you want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight, you do not have because you do not ask God. So be honest with yourself. I'm not going to ask for you to raise your hands, but how often do you decide to pray about something and you might even write it down, you add it to your prayer list and, and you even tell other people that you're praying about it and you almost do. You almost do, but... Even though you think about it from time to time, you hardly pray about it at all. Have you been there? Why is God not answering your prayer? Why is God not answering your prayer? Because you have not yet prayed purposefully and diligently and expectantly, right? You have the intention of praying about it. And you have the hope that God is going to answer but you never execute. You never get down on your knees. You never fold your hands and pray about it. And so some people even kind of fool themselves and think, well, I've been thinking about it, you know, I've been thinking about it for the last three weeks, but have you actually taken the time to pray about it? See, I suspect that many of us have a really difficult time following through when it comes to prayer. Why? Why pray when we can worry? Why pray when we can work ourselves to death trying to get what we need without God's help? I'm saying that facetiously. Think about the last time you prayed diligently about something for a, for a period of time, for your spouse or your children or your parents, for someone in your life to come to Christ and be saved that the power of God would, would cause a, a revolution and a renewal in your church, that God would use you to work for his glory. You know, I've heard it said, if you bring a cup to God, he will fill it. And if you bring a gallon jug to God, he will fill it. And if you bring a 500-gallon barrel to God, he will fill that too. Prayerlessness, brothers and sisters, is a counterproductive pattern of behavior. 
So things like that can be a hindrance in our prayer life. But now let's get to the second category. Because unconfessed sin can also cut us off from communication with God the Father. Now notice what I said there. Unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. We all struggle with sin. But some of us gladly confess some sins and we keep others private, okay? Talking about this private stuff that we keep from other people, that we keep from God, that some of us even keep from ourselves. Unconfessed sin can cut us off from communion with God the Father. Sinful addictions that have become idolatry, whether we want to admit it or not. Unresolved relational conflict, whether we want to admit it or not. Selfish, uncaring attitudes, whether we want to admit it or not. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. If we are living in disobedience, if we are living separated from God, if we are tolerating sin in our lives that is creating an obstacle in our relationship with God that we talked about when we read Jesus' summary of the law, then we are being quite presumptuous to expect that God will answer our prayers, unless they are prayers of confession, okay? Now, the good news is that God is gracious and merciful to sinners, and he invites us to come before him. And so at any moment, we can drop to our knees and fold our hands and receive the Lord's forgiveness, and believe me, He will delight in listening to you as you pour out your hearts before him. James 1 verses 5 to 8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all he does. Brothers and sisters, none of us, none of us can understand how much God wants to change that impossible circumstance in our lives or move that, that immovable-seeming mountain in our lives. We matter to him, and he wants to meet our needs and our requests if we free him up to do it. When the request is right, and when the timing is right, and when we are right, that's when God says go. Now, nothing motivates people to continue to develop their prayer lives like answered prayers. And once the obstacles to prayer are brought to the foot of the cross and dealt with, the way is clear for God to answer one prayer after another in just the way that serves our best interests and his greatest glory. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a congregational prayer.